0: This morning to Luke 22, if you would. Luke 22 and verse 19. Luke 22, verse 19. This is right before Jesus was taken and crucified, you know, and died upon the cross. And he's meeting with his disciples there. And uh, notice in Luke 22, verse 19, he took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Speaking for a few moments this morning, titling the message, The Body and the Blood. The Body and the Blood. Uh, we'll be receiving communion today. And we do so about every six weeks here, give or take. At the end of the message, it's also known as the Lord's Supper. And, um, and so that's what we'll be doing at the end of the, the message today. So it just seemed good to the Holy Spirit to talk to you a little bit today about the Lord's Supper, about communion and, and the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus. Um, first of all, why receive communion? Why receive communion? Well, it's something that the Lord instituted right here before he was crucified. And uh, notice in verse 19, it, it says at the end of that verse, do this in remembrance of me. And so when we partake of the bread and the, the juice here in just a, a, a little bit, we're doing that in remembrance of him, in remembrance of what he did for us through his death, burial, and resurrection. And so that's why we receive communion, to remember what he did for us. We should never forget what Jesus did for us. Don't ever forget that, okay? Because it's it's that that keeps us out of hell and and puts us in heaven. Is, Is that right? So let's don't ever forget the great sacrifice that Jesus paid for us. So talking about the body and the blood, let's... Let's talk a little bit about the body. Um, notice here in verse 19, he said, he said, this is my body, when he was making reference to the bread, this is my body which is given or broken, some versions of the Bible say ver, uh, uh, broken, this is my body which is broken for you or given for you, and so he gave his body for us. In the book of Hebrews, there's a statement made there about the body of the Lord Jesus, and, and actually, is Jesus speaking, and he, he was speaking to the Father, and he said, a body you have prepared for me. See, there was a body that, that was prepared by Almighty God that Jesus... Remember, Jesus didn't just begin to exist in the little town of Bethlehem. Is that right? He, he, he's a second member of the Trinity, coequal with the Father and with the Holy Spirit, and what happened is there was a virgin named Mary and the angel was sent to her by God and, and, uh, and basically said, will you bear the Son of God? And she received the word and remember the virgin conceived, is that right? And within her a body was prepared by Almighty God in which then the, the, the Son of God, Jesus, the second member of the Trinity, remember the Bible says that the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And so he was he was born but he he came in human form in Bethlehem but but Jesus he's always existed is that right He just took on human form in in Bethlehem and a body was prepared for him and that body of course because of the virgin birth was untainted by sin and and so that body was prepared for the Lord Jesus and he's already told us it was given for us So look at 1 Peter 2.24, let's notice that verse of scripture, what actually happened to his body when it was upon the cross of Calvary. Notice 1 Peter 2.24, notice this, who himself, talking about Jesus, bore our sins in his own, in his own what? In his own body on the tree or on the cross who himself bore our sins in his own body on on the cross. So what happened on the cross as far as his body is concerned? Well, he bore our sins, didn't he? Isn't that what the Bible says? That we having died to sins might live for righteousness. And notice this, by whose stripes you were what? Healed. Healed. Now what that's talking about is before Jesus was crucified... He was beaten immersively, is that correct? And uh, it, it, a little bit of study into this, that Romans would, would, would uh, beat you 40 stripes less one, 39. So 39 stripes was laid upon Jesus' back. And it, it's, the statement's been made that there are 39, if you take all the sickness, all, of this, all the different diseases that, that are in existence, that doctors know about, and group them in groups, there's 39 different groups. Now isn't that interesting that Jesus took a stripe for every type of sickness or disease that, that's in existence. Amen. And it says right here, by whose stripes you were what? Healed. You were healed. So he bore not only sins in his body, which the scripture says there, he bore our sins in his own body on the cross. But then it also says, by whose stripes you what? Were Healed. That's past tense, isn't it? So if Jesus, he bore your sins, but he also bore your sickness and disease. And if he bore it, then there's no reason for you to bear it. Is that right? Now, is that right? Isn't that good news? He bore not only your sins in his body, but he bore your sickness as well as your disease. Notice Isaiah 53 verse 5. Isaiah 53 verse 5. Notice this passage of scripture talking about the body of the Lord Jesus. Notice Isaiah 53 verse 5, but he was wounded talking about his body here for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we what? Are healed. There it is again. It's interesting here as you look at this one verse of scripture You see that Jesus made provision for our spirit, our soul, and our body. Notice he was bruised. uh, He was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. That has to do with sin. Well, we just noticed that he bore our sins in his own body on the cross. So he's wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. That has to do with with the spiritual, your spirit, you see. And then notice your mind, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. He bore uh, not only all of our sins, but He also bore all mental disorder, all mental malady, all mental sickness, and all mental disease, all psychological problems. Isn't that wonderful that He did that for us? And then finally, by His stripes, now the body here, see, you see spirit, soul, and body. And by His stripes, we are what? We're healed. So He made provision for you and me spirit, soul, and body. Notice verse six, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all on, on his body, on his spirit, his, his soul, and his body. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, an interesting verse of scripture along these lines that I think needs to be looked at. If you'll just go up to Isaiah 52 You're in Isaiah 53. Just look up at the previous chapter, verse 14, and I'm going to ask them to put that on the screen in the Amplified Bible, if they would, in the Amplified Bible, and we'll get a picture of what Jesus looked like upon the cross, what his body looked like. And there's a spiritual side of this as well, but we just look at the physical side of it and center in on his body here this morning. For many, for many, the servant of God, this is talking about Jesus, Became an object of, of what? Of horror. Now that's when he's hanging upon the cross. Many were astonished at him. Think about that. Unrecognizable, as I've studied into this, many Bible scholars say that he was unrecognizable upon the cross. Unrecognizable as a man. For many, the servant of God became an object of horror. And many were astonished at him. Think about that. Have you ever gone to the hospital to visit somebody and they were eaten up with cancer or something like that? And they don't look so good, do they? And that's just one disease working on them. Just think if you put all the, all the sickness, all the disease in one body, in one place at one time, what that body would look like. Can you imagine that? And that's what you had when you looked at Jesus upon the cross. Not only all the punishment of sin, but also all the punishment of sickness and disease. Can you imagine what his body must have looked like? It was an object of horror. His face and his whole appearance were marred more than any man's. See, we think about the uh, we think about what the Roman soldiers did to him, and that was bad, certainly, in those stripes. And we've talked about that. But you have to understand that that upon that, all sickness. And all disease. And I, I don't know how all that, that worked, but I know the Bible says it. All, all sin, sickness, disease, all mental malady laid upon him at one place at one time. And he was an object of horror. His face and his whole appearance were marred more than any man's. And his form beyond that of the sons of men. But just as many were astonished at him. He did all that for you and for me. And, and when we receive this Bread in, a mo- in just a moment, we're doing it in remembrance of him. We need to remember what he went through for you and me so we don't have to go through it. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. So now that's the body, and we could, we could talk for hours on the body, but let's now talk about the blood. Let's say a few things about the blood. Because Jesus said, as he was sitting there with his disciples, we already noted it, that this cup is the new covenant in my blood... Which is shed for you. He shed his blood for us. He shed his blood for us. Now, what does his blood do for us? Notice, if you would, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18, back to the New King James Version, if you would. 1 Peter 118. Notice this. 1 Peter 1 18. Knowing that you were not redeemed, that means to be purchased with corruptible things like silver or gold, from your aimless conduct received by tradition of your fathers. But what were we redeemed with? What were we purchased with? With the precious blood of Christ. As of a lamb without ble- blemish and without spot. See, Jesus was without sin, without blemish, without spot. And he hung upon the cross. And He, we talked about what happened in the, the body side of it. But... His blood was shed in its precious blood and it redeems us from the kingdom of darkness. Isn't that wonderful? And there's a scripture in the book of Hebrews that says with His own blood He obtained eternal redemption. So it's not just a temporary thing, but it's eternal. And can anybody say amen on that? It's a good deal, isn't it? You know... uh, in, in the Old Testament, there's a type, In the Old Testament's full of types and shadows, but one of the types in, in the Old Testament, remember when uh, God had directed Moses to lead the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage, remember, and Pharaoh wouldn't let the people go? Remember, there were those, those plagues of judgment that God sent in? Remember that? And the last one was the death of the firstborn, remember that? And, and so, but there was a way to escape the judgment of God. And what God told Moses to do was was to to have the people kill 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 a lamb each house you know so on and so forth kill a lamb and take the blood and take that blood and apply it to the doorpost of the house and that if you study it out it was put on the doorpost in the shape of a what do you think in the shape of a cross and 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 if you were in that house where the doorpost had the blood of the lamb in the shape of the cross. Then if you were the firstborn when the death angel and the judgment of God swept through the land, if you were in that house where the the blood was applied, then the death angel would pass over and the judgment of God would pass over you, you see, and it wouldn't hit you. It wouldn't hit the firstborn. They wouldn't die. And so, you see, that was a type of the blood of the Lord Jesus and the blood of the Lord Jesus, if it's been applied to your heart, then the judgment of God will pass over you. And when you die, you don't have to go to hell. You get to go to heaven. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. Glory to God. That's, that's a good deal, isn't it? So the blood of Jesus, it redeems us. It, it, it stops the judgment of God. Notice Colossians 1.20. Let's turn there. Colossians 1.20. What else does the blood of Jesus do for us? Notice this, Colossians 1.20, And by him, to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the what? The blood of his cross. See, what, what is that peace? What's that talking about? Peace between you and God the Father. Remember when Jesus was born in Bethlehem? Remember the angels appeared to the shepherds and said, uh, basically said, peace on earth goodwill toward men. And see, he didn't say goodwill among men, he said goodwill toward men. See, those angels were representatives of God and they were saying that as a result of what Jesus is going to do through his death, burial and resurrection and the shedding of his blood, that there's going to come peace between heaven and earth. Isn't that wonderful? And that when a sinner repents and places their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, then then the blood of, of Jesus is applied to them, and then the judgment of God passes over them, and there's peace with Almighty God. See, apart from the blood of Jesus, you don't have peace with God. But if you have received Jesus into your heart, then you have peace with God. That's a good deal, isn't it? Notice... Uh, Matthew 26, verse 28. Let's turn there. We're just looking at a few scriptures of what the blood of Jesus does for us. We should never forget how important the blood of Jesus is. Now, this is Matthew's account of, of this, this Last Supper. And, and the Lord says here, verse uh, Matthew 26, verse 28, For this is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for many for the what? For the remission of sins that word remission means forgiveness forgiveness see we have forgiveness of sins through the blood of the lord jesus christ and you need to understand something about the blood of jesus it forgives our sins all right but it does it does something else now in the old testament remember um they would, have the, uh, they would slaughter the bulls and the goats and the lambs and the animals and they'd take the blood, you know, and they'd go into the Holy of Holies and, and the, the high priest would go in there once a year and apply the blood on the mercy seat and all of that. And, but they'd have to do that every year, remember that? They'd have to do that year by year. Because you see, the blood of the animals in the Old Testament, all, all that blood could do is cover sin. But if something's covered, it can also be What? Uncovered. So you see the blood of Jesus forgives us of our sins, but, but you see the blood of the animals in the Old Testament covered sin. The blood of Jesus, the Lamb of God, the blood of Jesus doesn't, doesn't cover sin. Oh, pastor, no, it does something better than that. It washes it away like it was never there in the first place. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. Somebody realize, say Amen. amen. That's a good deal. Look at Revelation 1.5. Look at this here. Look at this, Revelation 1.5. Notice this. Revelation 1.5, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us, and notice, washed us from our sins in his own what? In his own blood. Isn't that wonderful? So the blood of Jesus doesn't... Just it doesn't cover sin, it washes sin away like it was never even there in the first place. Isn't that wonderful? You know, there's a scripture in the book of Psalms that says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our sins from us. And, and, and of course, well, why does it say east from the west? Well, it, it's important that you understand this if you go north eventually, if you go north long enough, eventually you're going to meet south. And if you go south long enough, eventually you're going to meet north. You understand that? North and south will eventually meet. But if you go east, you're never going to meet west. And if you go west, you're never going to meet east, you see. And that's why the the scripture is Psalm, if you want to look it up, 103 verse 12. They can throw it up on the screen real quick. Psalm 103 verse 12. Let's look at it. You need to understand how far the blood of Jesus removes your sin from you as far as the east is from the West, so far as re- he removed our transgressions or our sins from us. See, if you go north, eventually you'll meet south. If you go south, eventually you'll meet north. But east and west never meet. Isn't that wonderful? So, so you see, he hasn't removed our sin as far as the north is from the south. He's removed our sin as far as the east is from the west. Never to be remembered again. Never to be run into again. Isn't that wonderful? Glory to God. That's exciting. Praise God forevermore. Notice Hebrews 9.14. Hebrews 9.14. Pastor, you're sure making us look up a lot of scriptures. You ought to be jumping up and down that I'm doing that. Hebrews 9.14. Talking about the blood of Jesus. See, it does something else we need to understand. Have you ever had a guilty conscience? Have you ever done something and you had a guilt? Come on now. Even since you've been saved, you've done you've messed up. You had a guilty conscience. But see, when we mess up, if we'll repent and go to the Lord Jesus and confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us. How does He cleanse us? With His blood. Is that right? From all unrighteousness. And notice He doesn't just cleanse the sin away but he also does something else real wonderful with his blood. Look at Hebrews 9, 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cl- do what now? Cleanse your, Cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. I t- This blood of Jesus is a good deal, isn't it? It not only cleanses sin away, but it cleanses your conscience. Glory to God. Ephesians 2.13, just a few more of these. Ephesians 2.13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once afar off have been, have been what? Have been brought near, brought near to the Father by what? It's only the blood of Jesus. You can't approach the Father without the blood. The high priest that went in year by year into the Holy of Holies, he could not go in there without the blood of the animals. We cannot approach the heavenly holy of holies in heaven without, what do you think, without the blood of the Lord Jesus having been applied to us. How do I get that blood applied to me? By repenting of your sins and saying, Jesus, come into my heart just that quick. The blood of Jesus will be applied to you. You'll miss hell, make heaven, and be able to enter the holy of holies in fellowship with God. Isn't that wonderful? The blood of Jesus brings us near to almighty God. There's another scripture we could we could look up Hebrews ten nineteen along these same lines. Notice Hebrews ten nineteen. Notice this, Hebrews ten nineteen. Therefore, brethren. Therefore, brethren. Talking to Christians here. See, see, as Christians we don't see see the, the blood of Jesus when it hits the sinner. When the blood of Jesus hits the sinner, when a sinner repents and receives Jesus, and the blood of Jesus, talking spiritually now, when the blood of Jesus hits the sinner, it makes him a saint. Did you get what I just said? Yes. Yeah, but I thought you had to do miracles and do this and that and the other to, to get, you know, I thought only popes made it into sainthood. No, that's not, that's what religious tradition tells you, but that's not what the Bible tells you. Once the blood of Jesus hits the sinner, at quick, the sinner becomes a saint. Did you hear me? I said, did you hear me? You take the worst sinner that there is, they repent of their sins, and they say, Jesus, come into my heart. Just bang, that quick. They go from sinner to saint. Isn't that wonderful? Glory to God. I tell you, the blood of Jesus will make the prostitute pure and the harlot holy. Isn't that wonderful? Prostitute pure and the harlot holy. Praise God. Thank God for the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Glory to God. (laughs) Amen. Now notice here, see, so when, when, when the blood of Jesus hits the sinner and makes him a saint. But you see, we as, we as saints, how many of you have messed up since you've been saved? Yeah, yeah, we talked about it just a moment ago. I've messed up, up as well. We, we all mess up. Don't have to, but, but we do. Good news, we can repent or turn from that sin confess that sin to the Lord Jesus, he'll immediately forgive us, cleanse that sin like it never was there in the first place, and then he'll cleanse our conscience. Praise God forevermore. But anyway, notice Hebrews 10, 19, Therefore, brethren, having what? Having boldness. See, it would start talking about the blood of Jesus. It brings boldness. Having boldness to enter the holiest. That's talking about up in heaven. The holiest by what? The blood of Jesus. See, that blood of Jesus, it grants us access to the throne of God, but it also allows us to walk up to the throne of God, not in a haughty way, not in a prideful manner, but it allows us to walk up to the throne of God in a bold manner and stand before Almighty God as though we never missed it, as though we never sinned in the first place. Isn't that wonderful? Now see, religious teaching will go against that and start playing with you and say, no, I need to crawl up to the throne like an old, dirty, old dog. Well listen, there is a truth of going before the throne of God and bowing down and worshiping Him. That's not what I'm talking about now, all right? What I'm talking about is most Christians, talking about, she's talking to brethren here, most Christians, well we're going to just crawl up before the throne of God and just, just proclaim we're just a dirty, good old, no good dog worm. No, see you don't have a revelation of the blood of Jesus. If you have a revelation of the blood of Jesus You can walk up to the throne of God, yes, in a worshipful manner, but you can walk up to the throne of God and stand there like you never sinned one day in your life. Isn't that wonderful? and have boldness before the Father to, to make your requests known unto God in the name of Jesus and he'll grant them. Yeah, but pastor, you don't know what I did yesterday. Well, repent of it and, and ask God to forgive you. Ask Jesus to forgive you. Confess it. He'll wash it away. Let him cleanse your conscience and then stand before God. And I tell you what, God won't even remember that you committed it in the first place. You mean God's forgetful? No, he's not forgetful. He chooses not to remember it anymore because the blood's washed it away. Somebody say amen. Amen. Glory to God. I get excited about that. Glory to God. And that right there frustrates the dickens out of the devil. Because he likes to go, don't you remember what you did? Don't you remember what you did? Don't you remember? And you can on the devil in the name of Jesus. Is that right? Because you have confidence in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that right? Somebody said, oh, pastor, you wouldn't want the devil to hear you. Yeah, he's exactly the one I want to hear. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you in stark raven terror. Glory to God. We don't need to be afraid of the devil. We don't need to be afraid of sickness and disease. Because we have the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Glory to God. See what this blood will do to bring boldness. Glory to God. Not a haughtiness in and of myself, I, uh, but in and of Jesus. We're somebody, aren't we? Glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. And then Revelation 12, 13, 12 11. We'll close with this, and I'll make just a few concluding comments. We'll receive communion. Why get under this anointing? I just stay here all day, man. <laughs> I love this. Revelation 12 11. <clears throat> Glory to God! Able to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. But notice here Revelation twelve eleven, and they talking about the saints of God overcame Him, overcame the devil by what? Blood the, blood the, the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Real loud say, I'm an overcomer, I'm an overcomer. through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and the word of my testimony. Say, thank God, for the blood. thank God for the blood. See, the blood of Jesus makes us an overcomer. Glory to God. Isn't that wonderful? So now we're going to receive communion, and the ushers are going to pass it out in just a few moments. Say, Pastor, what again is this? What, what, why, why, why? Why are we doing this? Why we, see if you learned anything. Why are we receiving communion? In what? In remembrance of what Jesus did through his, for us through his body and his blood. Now, uh, you need to understand this. The only requirement to receiving this is you need to be saved. You don't need to be a member of this church. You need to be saved. There's a lot of people think that they become a member of a church and that saves them. There's a lot of people think that because they've been water baptized, that that saves them. I'm all for water baptism. But understand the scripture, water doesn't wash away sins, only the blood of Jesus did. Water baptism is for somebody that's already been saved. Receiving communion is already for somebody that's been saved. You understand that? So if you've never been saved, then when this comes by, just let it pass on by. And then at the end of the service, you come up to the front. There'll be some men and women standing up here in the front at the end of the service. And you just tell them, I want to get saved. I want to become a Christian. I want to know Jesus. I want to get born again. And they'll pray with you. And if you'll do so with a repentant heart, receive Jesus into your heart, he'll come in just that quick. You'll become a saint immediately. And then you'll, you'll be in a position where you can receive the, the uh, bread and the, the juice. Did you hear me? I said, did you hear me? Okay. All right, so, uh, but now I want to say a couple other things, um, just so you understand. Some people think that this juice here, and somebody says, well, do you use wine or do you use juice? Well, we use juice. But I don't think if you used wine there's that there'd be anything wrong with it, because you know what, that much wine isn't going to make anybody drunk, is it? Now, I don't know. I've never drank, so I mean, I guess that much wine could set me on my ear. I don't know. But people want to argue about wine or juice, wine or juice. Well, you know, I, now look, I, I'm a, the Bible's against drunkenness. Did you hear me? Amen. And you know, people want to get in arguments sometimes. Well, can I drink a can of beer? Or can I? Can can I drink a glass of wine? Or can, look, look. What's the sin? The sin is drunkenness. Is that right? But I guarantee it to you, if I went out after the service and I had a, had, a, had, a, had a bottle of beer, that would probably offend some people and it would probably hurt some people's faith. And the Bible says that we shouldn't do anything to hurt our brother and our sister. Did you hear me? Right. Now, I, while I'm on it, I'll just say this. When I was a kid, but my dad died when I was seven. But when I was three, four, well, four, probably four, five, six, in, in seven, he would always drink Budweiser. Now, you know Bud's never made anybody wiser. Uh, well, they laughed. I thought that was an old stale one. I guess they never heard that one. <clears throat> but he'd pop the top, you know, pop the top, and then the foam would come up on the top, and then he'd let, he let me drink that foam. You know, that's not a thing. I love my daddy, but he shouldn't have been doing that. Feeding beer to a four or five, six-year-old kid, I could get, got addicted. You understand what I'm saying? And, uh, but I never drank. Well, he passed away when I was... He, he took me to Sunday school. He'd sit there while I was in Sunday school. And so I, I love him to pieces. But he shouldn't have been doing that. Is that right? With the popping, not going to... He should have been taking me to Sunday school. He shouldn't have been feeding me the foam off top of the beer. Is that right? But you know what? I, I, as time has gone, I, as t- I've tasted beer a time or two. I don't know why people drink that stuff. I hate that stuff, but I guess there's some people say, I don't know why Pastor Terry drinks Diet Coke. Because I mean... that, that, that all right, let's move on to the next subject. <laughs> just don't get drunk, okay? And don't do anything to offend anybody, okay? So I'll just leave it there. But then there's something else is that, that uh, there's some denominations. I know the, the, the Catholic folk and whatnot, they call this the Eucharist, you know. And they honestly, they think that, that the, 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 the juice or the wine actually turns into the literal blood of the Lord Jesus and they believe that this bread actually literally turns into the body. Yes. It's called the doctrine of transubstantiation. Now if you read John the 6th chapter very carefully, you'll see that, and I could take hours on this, but you'll see that this, this juice, and we, we use juice, this juice does not literally turn into the blood of the Lord Jesus. Okay, it's representative of his blood. And this, this uh, bread here does not literally become the body of the Lord Jesus, it, it represents it. But some people actually, they, they think that it actually turns into the body and the blood and they come on a weekly basis and receive it and they think that just by drinking some wine that they think is the blood and, and, and eating the bread that they think is the body, they think that that's going to save them. But if you read John, the sixth chapter, very carefully, you'll see that he, Jesus talked about eating the flesh, eating his flesh, and drinking his blood. And the people, they, 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 they didn't understand what he was talking about. Remember, if you try to listen to spiritual truth with natural ears, you're going to get confused and offended. Did you hear me? But if you study that very carefully, and it's, it's quite a long, extensive thing, but do you, know, do you know how you drink the blood of the Son of Man, Jesus, and do you know how you eat his flesh? By repenting of your sins, believing on Him with all of your heart, selling out to Him and serving Him on a regular, consistent basis. That's how you eat His flesh and drink His blood. He's not talking about becoming a cannibal or a vampire. Somebody say amen. Amen. He's talking about believing on Him from your heart and selling out to Him and walking with Him and abiding in Him. That's how you eat His flesh and drink His blood. Do you understand that? But this, this, this juice here and this bread does not turn into the body and the blood. It represents the body and the blood. Are you okay? Now, the, now last thing. Remember Colum- Do you remember Columbo? And, and, and it was always that one more thing. I mean, the criminal thought he was going to get off. And Columbo almost walked out the door. And he'd stop. He was a detective for young, you young people that don't know anything. God love you. But Columbo was a detective and he'd let this, the, the criminal go all the way through to the end of the... And then he'd just walk about to walk out and he'd stop. And he'd say, oh yeah, by the way, one more thing. And it was always that last question that got him. How many remembers that? So one more thing. <laughs> Talking to Christians now. If you go into 1 Corinthians, I believe it's the 11th chapter and study it very carefully... The Christians in Corinth were, they were just, it was unbelievable the kind of stuff that was going on there in, in the church when they'd received the Lord's Supper, when they'd received communion. And, and just putting it in my own words, you'd have people coming in there and they were, they were gluttonizing themselves on the bread. And some of them were eating it all up and when the other folks came there wasn't enough left for them could not you imagine me saying, Dale, hey, bring me up, don't really do this, but br- bring me up the bread and I sit up here and eat all, all, all 200 pieces of those things. I mean, but that's the kind of thing they were doing and they and I, they used wine back there then and you know what they did? They didn't just drink one. They probably didn't have these little things back there then. But they, some of the people get drunk on it and they'd butt in front of one another. You know what I mean, butt in front of, I mean, they and they'd push, I mean, they, it was just, it, they'd be butting in front of one another. It was just an unruly, Mess that went on. Do you hear me? And Paul wrote and and straightened them out and he said, you know, walk in love, etc. And then he said this. He said, if you handle this in an unruly manner, in an unorganized manner, in in a disre That's the word. Realize say disrespectful. Yeah. In a hasty and disrespectful manner, he said, you'll be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus. And judgment will rest on you. I don't believe he's talking about judgment of going to hell, but he talked about that there's people there that died prematurely. This is a a solemn, solemn, holy thing, guys. And that's why I said, oh, one more thing. I need to warn you because before you partake of this, Paul warned the Corinthians. He said, let a person examine himself. Let him judge himself. If there's something in your life that should not be there, Right at your seat, right where you are, repent of it. Turn from it. Just between you and the Lord, confess it to him and he'll forgive you. But you need to do that before you partake of of these holy elements. Do you understand? This may not be the actual body of Jesus, but what does it represent? It represents that body. And this is not the actual blood, but what does it represent? It represents that blood. Do you understand that? Holy, holy, holy. Holy things that you have, that you'll have in your hands here in just a moment. Very holy. So you need to examine yourself. And the Bible says if we judge ourselves, we'd not be judged. So before, if you're a Christian here today, you're already saved. And there's something in your life that should not ought to be there. Repent of it. Turn from it right there. You can do it in an instant of a time. But I'd warn you, if you're not going to judge yourself, if you're not going to judge yourself, don't partake of this. Let it go on by. Because it said that... I'm not saying you got to be perfect. Say amen. amen. But you know if there's something in your life, a habitual, something habitual, that's been going on and on and on and on. The Holy Spirit's been dealing with you about getting rid of that. And you just, you're just not going to do it. You, that's what I'm talking about. You understand? Because it is we all had to be just totally nothing, nothing at all. Not, I, I'd have to set this down. You understand? But if there's something in your life that is a habitual, ongoing sin, you need to you need to repent of it before you partake of this. You get you getting what I'm saying? <clears throat> All right. Now the ushers are going to pass this out, and let them go ahead and do it. Praise God! Let them go ahead and do it. Pass it out, guys. <clears throat> We've already instructed you, so pass it out. And while they're passing it out, it'll be coming down the aisle right where you are, right where you sit, <coughs> once you've gotten your communion, you, you examine yourself. <coughs> Excuse me. You examine yourself. And you see if there's anything in your life that should not ought to be there. And if it is, repent of it. The Lord will forgive you. Just right, just under your breath. He can hear you. He can hear you. You don't have to scream and yell. He's right there with you. Just tell him. Just confess your sin to him. Yeah, but I need to confess my sin to you, Pastor. Well, no, you can. Conf- I can't forgive you of any. You understand? He's the one that you need to confess it to. He'll forgive you. You hear me? Amen. <clears throat> and then you can partake of this. <clears throat> it's a dangerous thing to partake of this if there's if you're practicing sin. Amen. We're sitting in the presence of a holy God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Once the communion has gone past you, you can stand with me. If you would.